Well, everybody, welcome to episode 211 of the Ankeny Fanatic weekly podcast. As always, it's brought to our good friends at Coldwell Banker Mid-America. Coldwell Banker is rooted in the legacy of our founder, renowned businessman and philanthropist, Marvin Pomeranz. We continue to tell his story through our love of people, homes, and the communities we serve. Our integrity guides our focus to empower people to make the best real estate decisions possible. We pair local ownership and knowledge with the power of an international brand and the most advanced technology to elevate the customer experience and expectations. Our network of resources allows us to be the number one Coldwell Banker franchise affiliate in Iowa, guiding you home for over 30 years. All right, well, we're going to talk some football today. If you follow the Ankeny Fanatic website, then you probably saw in January that we revealed our all-time Ankeny football team from the modern era, which consisted of four different teams. Each team was comprised of 24 players, and when you add in the four honorable mention picks that we listed, uh, these were the best 100 players to ever play for Ankeny or Ankeny Centennial since legendary coach Jerry Pizzetti took over the Ankeny program in 1969. Today I'll be talking to three of the players who made our all-time team, and they represent three different decades of Ankeny football. My first guest was a two-year starter at Ankeny in the 1980s, playing all three positions on the offensive line. He was a first-team All-State pick as a senior who went on to become a standout at Northern Iowa, where he started at center and was an honorable mention All-American in 1990. He has now been a longtime assistant coach under Pizzetti, first at Ankeny and then at Centennial since 2013. He was named to our first team. He is Mike Fontana. Toons, thanks for joining me. How you doing? Hey, Ben. Thanks for having me. Hey, you bet. Well, before we talk football, I just want to ask you a quick question about uh, wrestling. Of course, you're also an assistant wrestling coach for the Jaguars, and yesterday you guys competed in the state duels tournament at Coralville, uh, where you guys placed eighth in Class 3A. It was kind of a tough day for you guys, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. It's a it's tough, tough, tough competition. And uh, like Cody Goodwin said for uh, the Des Moines Register, was that, that 3A race is going to be a, a dandy. And it was. I think uh, the three seed, Wayward to Shell Rock, won it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know uh, Ankeny took fourth, and uh, they wrestled up to their seed. We thought we'd at least get the top five, and but I kind of felt in that last match we kind of were out of gas. Yeah, it's a long day. I, yeah, I get it was it. a long, long day, and uh, you know the tides turned with Fort Dodge. Uh, we beat them a month ago, and just a couple of points here and there, and a couple uh, different different outcomes of matches decided that one. Well, before we talk about the all-time football team, I should mention that your dad, Ron, was earlier named the captain of our all-time team from the pre-Pizzetti era. Uh, he excelled at several different positions while helping Ankeny to a 30-3 and record over a four-year career from 1947 to 50. Uh, he went on to become a letter winner at Iowa State, and later, while serving in the Korean conflict, uh, one of his greatest memories was being selected to play on the Far East Army All-Star team. Now, I know your brother Bob told me some great stories about Ron for the story that I did. You know, so I'm sure you've heard a lot of stories about your dad's career as well over the years. You know, do you have a favorite one? I've, I've heard a lot of them. Uh, I think one of my favorite stories was, uh, uh, actually, there's two of them. One, one was from Iowa State. Um, he was up there with Gail Gibson, mm -hmm. uh, Dennis's dad. Right. Mm -hmm. And uh, they had this stud, I think, out-of-state out guy, I think, uh, Illinois or Minnesota or something. And the guy re reported to camp and not so good a shape. And, Hey, pull that mic closer to you. Close. Yeah, there you go. That yeah. better? That's yeah, better. Yeah. Uh, guy reported out of shape and had a little bit of attitude. And the guy asked to go to the bathroom during practice, and my dad said that was the last I saw of him. <laughs> he missed. And the guy was a highly touted guy, out of state, you know, recruit. And, and uh, I don't think he liked the. It sounded like he didn't like the intensity of college 
football. Another one when uh, my dad said when he was in Korea, they had beaten uh, one of the armed forces already. Mm-hmm. Another armed force in a game. And uh, his uh, sergeant or barrack leader or whatever had to drive him to practice or drive him to the games because you had to be selected for this team. And they had won a game already and they were on their way to a practice for the next game, I can't recall. And uh, they got out, get ready to go, and the sirens went off. They had to go back because the enemy was coming. They had to go back and defend their turf. Thought that was pretty cool. He's like, he's getting ready to play a football game or practice and have to turn around and go back to war. For sure, yeah. So, well, your dad was always a big supporter of Ankeny Fanatic, which I really appreciated. Uh, sadly, he passed away in November of 2021, and we didn't come out with our pre Pizzetti team until about a year later. You know, I, w- I wish he could have seen it because I know he would have really enjoyed it. And Bob told me that he would have been humbled by it as well. You know, so I assume that it was your dad that got you and your brothers involved with football when you were younger. I mean, you probably didn't have much of a choice, you know, to play, <laughs> did you? <laughs> yeah, um, I, I didn't have a choice. Um, I remember it was always a big, big thing for my dad to go sign me up for uh, Ankeny Little League or um, AJF um, to get, you know, mm-hmm. get me started. And, and right when he signed me up, it was, you know, time to take BP or play catch. And, and I remember getting my equipment for AJF. I had to put it on, put equipment on for him. And he basically knocked me around the living room or the backyard mm-hmm. just to make sure I was, like, accustomed for it, you know, ready for it. Well, I think many people were surprised to find out that you were a kicker as well at Ankeny, but I know your dad was a kicker too. So, so is that how you got started with kicking? Exactly. Yeah, he, he always said, keep an extra tool in your arsenal. And um, he showed me how to kick and punt. And it wasn't, it wasn't the Peter Ramey style. Yeah. It was, it was straight on, thunderfoot. Old school, huh? With a, with a <laughs> kicking shoe. And then um, uh, I learned how to deep snap at, uh, at UNI, mm-hmm. which then I taught my son how to deep snap, uh, my son Matt. So, yeah. Well, with kicking, what, what kind of range did you have on field goals? Uh, you know, I, I, um, I remember against South Tama. These guys would know what South Tama meant. Yeah. Uh, the younger <laughs> guys. I had a 40-yarder, 40, 40 I believe. Uh, I tried plenty around the uh, 35 to 45-yard range. I think I was maybe... 75 percent um but i was money from 30 on in Mm -hmm. and uh kick it square and straight with that toe so was a junior in 1985 uh, your ranking team went seven and three and lost to dowling in the opening round of the playoffs uh the next year your team went six and three and did not make the playoffs you know but it was a lot harder to make the playoffs back then wasn't it yeah it was uh because we played a lot of 3a teams uh tama was 3a uh, Boone was 3A. Um, can't remember who else in our conference was uh, 3A. Oh, Andy Noah. We were the CIC. Right. We're a combination of 3A, 4A. So we had no margin for loss, especially if it was to a 3A school. Well, you told me earlier that, that your team's played with an old-school mentality that was adopted from Pizzetti and the assistant coaches. You know, you guys just really had a blue-collar approach and played hard-nosed football. And, of course, you've been an assistant now with Jerry, you know, for nearly three decades. Do, do you feel like he still has that same old-school old mentality? Oh, yeah, yeah. And that's, you know, um, that's how I still think the game should be played because um, 
that helps win games. Um, you know, we had um, not not just Jerry, but we had uh, assistants Roger Rowetter, Pete Breka, Tom Fish. They all had that mentality as well. And, and uh, you know, now they see a kid. You know, shouldn't play both ways. Let's play twenty-two kids. You know, all that. Uh, back then, it was a lot of people played both ways. I mean, I played both ways and kicked off, ran down a kickoff team. I, I was always tired for the snap yeah. <laughs> from, that, from that sprint. Uh, so it was, uh, and of course, the numbers were, you know, I look at team pictures compared to then to now. Even when we won the title in 97, compared to now that uh, we won it in 12, the size of the, of the teams, how much they grew. Right. Much more to pick from number-wise and, and with more numbers, you're going to get more skill. Well, of course, there's been so many great players, you know, here at Ankeny over the years, and, and I'm sure you went through through the list that I put together. And, and I'm sure, you know, having coached here for so long, that you, you can think of a lot of great players that, that we didn't mention. Of course, we couldn't mention all of them, but I yeah. mean, it's just it's just been crazy how, how much talent has come through this town. Yeah, I looked at the I looked at every team thoroughly that you did, and, and uh, that those are awesome, and you, you, you did an outstanding job in that. Thanks, appreciate and, it. Yeah, you, you bet. And then... Um, um, you look at the teams, and you start thinking about, oh, what about this guy? What about that guy? But, you know, it comes down to, like, an all-state team now. Not everybody's going to make it. Yeah, exactly. Um, but uh, it makes you think how many players we've had go through here. You think of 100, and uh, you start thinking just in my position at, uh, at the defensive line. Heck, I thought of two or three others. You know, I even plugged you on them to yeah. <laughs> these guys did this, this, and that. Sure. But, you know, it's, they're all worthy of it, but at the end of the day, you only have certain certain yeah. individuals on each team. Yeah, I could have done more teams. I mean, initially I was only going to do three teams, and then I was looking at certain positions, and I was like, man, I, I couldn't leave this guy off. So then that, that's why we expanded it to four. And, yeah. Uh, but that worked out well, I think. I thought the positions that really stood out, like, wow, look at these guys, was uh, – the linebackers and the running backs, because I thought we've had some just phenomenal uh, running backs and linebackers here and uh, over the years, and to see the like I thought, um, you know, let's go back. Um, when I was a little kid. You got Gibson, Spitzik, and you know, Leverens was, was just a couple years older than me. Those guys were all, you know. Power five school, you know, played the pros. Then you look at our state championship team, you know. I think we had two guys with 100-plus tackles at linebacker. You know, I don't think they even – they might have made your fifth team. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then you go to uh, to their class of 2012. Uh, you had Drew Carlson and, 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 and Clayberg. Those guys flew all over the field, you know, and they are on your teams. And I – I see all those teams and think of all those those uh, championship type teams and those players in the eighties. I'm like, wow, we had some, we had some dogs at linebacker, man. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Well, then you look at quarterback too. I mean, a guy like Blaine Hawkins who went on, you know, oh, to yeah. play Central, and this guy here knows all about that playing in Central uh, and, and what he accomplished there. I mean, just set every record imaginable, uh, you know, and he couldn't even crack the top four just because of how many great quarterbacks we've had. Yeah, there. Blaine was exceptional. I mean, he. Uh, he was tough to game plan for. I remember, I remember um, playing uh, them and coaching against them. He, he was my daughter's age. And um, 
he uh, he ran that zone read, man, uh, as good as anybody. Mm-hmm. He'd freeze the linebackers in that zone read. And he broke out on us one time on a long run, and we still kind of razz him. We see him, our linebacker caught him from behind, but our linebacker <laughs> was also a 4'6 guy and uh, who caught him from behind. But uh, I went and watched the Wartburg Central game one year, and uh, Blaine ran a zone read. It was the same scenario, man. It was froze the linebackers. He broke out in the open. He, he might have scored on that one, I think. But, um, yeah, he was, a, he was a phenomenal quarterback. Yeah, I saw him play at Central a couple of times, and just the way he managed the game and, and the, you know, his, his pinpoint passing was just, just unbelievable. Uh, you know, can't say enough about that guy. Yeah, yeah. Well, you went on to have a great career at uh, UNI, and you, and you told me some of your favorite memories from college. Uh, one of them was playing against uh, future NFL linebacker Brian Cox of Western Illinois, uh, who, who you said hit, hit the crap out of you when you picked him up on a blitz, <laughs> and you were seeing double for a few minutes. Yeah. So when you went to the line of scrimmage for the next play, I mean, were you seeing 22 guys out there? That had to be kind of a scary sight. <laughs> uh, no, I, I picked him up on a cross blitz, I remember. Um, um, they had an open front, and I was center. And the uh, coach would always tell us, you know, where to look, where to favor to, if a guy had a, a guy on him that would mm-hmm. need, need, maybe need help for. Always, you're always checking the blitz. And uh, they ran like a cross that, and he came in, and we hit we hit helmet to helmet, and we had about a 19, 20-yard gain on the pass. But he, it, he we hit forehead to forehead. And Brian was a big dude. He was 6'4", 250, linebacker. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember my dad always told me, you ever got the crap knocked out of you? Just find something on the field you can read. Well, the dome has a huge scoreboard, right? I look up there and I was like, the thing looked like it was in, it looked like it was in water. <laughs> I was like, whoa. And then um, I remember the next play on my grade sheet, my line coach gave me a negative and says, you weren't ready. Well, hell, hell yeah, I wasn't ready. I was, I was a little dazed. Yeah, I'll bet. Yeah. But he was a tough player and, uh, he, he liked to talk. He never said much to me, but mm-hmm. of course I never said anything to him. Yeah. Don't want to poke the bear, right? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. Well, uh, I know you spent some time in, in the preseason camp with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers after your college career, and one of your former players now, Rodney Moss, who's also on the all-time team, you know, he's preparing for the NFL draft. He was at the Senior Bowl uh, this week. You know, what, what advice would you give him as he, as he gets ready for the NFL, and, and how do you think he's going to do? Uh, I think Riley's going to do – just great. I think when the combine comes up, he's gonna he's gonna really stand out. Uh, I mean, heck, the kid was a, a world class hurdler in high school, right? And um, I think the combine, along with him playing yesterday in the in the Senior Bowl, and uh, put that together, um, he's had some skills. He's definitely a he's definitely a special teams guy. Um, kid can fly. I think I saw early on the Senior Bowl he had like the highest mile per hour. Mm-hmm. Some of the D-backs, and uh, and Riley's just a great competitive, um, you know, outgoing kid. Um, uh, I think he got a little prank pulled on him in the the Senior Bowl with a little uh, young interviewer. Oh, you I, did, I I saw that. I didn't, didn't watch the whole thing yet. But. Yeah, the kid kid had Riley speechless. That was kind of funny. Huh. But, no, I think Riley's going to have a good shot and uh, hopefully gets drafted where he, he deserves to be. And I think uh, regardless, whoever gets him on their roster, uh, they're going to be proud they got him. Yeah. He seems like he'd be a great locker room guy. Oh, yeah, man. He, he was one of those guys that always chummed with the coaches and talked with us. And 
um, uh, you know, shot the breeze with us. And but when it came time time to be serious and play, he could he could turn the turn the switch. Yeah. Well, Mike, I know we, I could talk to you all day about the different stories that you have, but uh, I do want to have some other guests on today, so I'll, I'll let you go, but I appreciate uh, your time today. Hey, hey, thanks for having me, Dan. Appreciate it. You bet. All right, my next guest was a three-year starter, a linebacker, who racked up 252 career tackles at Ankeny from 2010 to 12. As a senior, he placed second on the team with 118 tackles and also started a running back where he rushed for 432 yards and nine touchdowns while catching 18 passes for 387 yards and five more scores. He helped the Hawks to the Class 4A state title in their final year as one varsity program, finishing with a 14-0 record. He then went on to become a standout at Central College, where he was a three-time second-team all-conference pick. He was named to our third team, along with his father, Luke, who was a great player at Ankeny in the 1980s. He is Drew Carlson. Drew, thanks for joining me. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me, Dan. Hey, you bet. Well, you told me earlier that seeing your dad's uh, senior photo hanging in the gym at the old high school, you know, provided a lot of motivation for you when you were growing up. You know, your dad was named to the 1983 All-State team, which you said could just as well have been the Pro Football Hall of Fame, you know, in your eyes. So you obviously idolized him when, when you were younger, and, and you wanted to follow in his footsteps, didn't you? I sure did, Dan. Yeah, it was, it was fun having, you know, as athletic trainer for the Ankeny Hawks for about 20 years. I was always tagging along with him and going to all the different sporting events, whether it be baseball, soccer, wrestling, basketball, or football. But there's definitely something being around all of the, the coaches and the players and, and hearing from them about like, oh, you're, you know, your dad was a great player. You're going to be uh -huh. something like him. And, and, you know, just any sort of story or any something like that. Just kind of definitely... You know, everyone growing up in their town wants to play for their high school, but when you, you're involved as much as I was lucky enough to be, from a young age, you're even more so just ready and working and excited to be up to that level and to play for your hometown. Now, were you ever one of the ball boys on the sidelines? Um, I technically was not, but I was, I was friends with all of them and um, just kind of hung out on the sideline. I got it. My dad let me kind of do the uh, skip the practices and go to the games. Oh, sure. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, your dad helped Ankeny the conference title in 1982, and then as a senior the following year, he was one of the leaders of a defensive unit that allowed just 80 points uh, all season. He went on to play for Northern Iowa, where he modestly told me that he wasn't a standout and didn't win any awards, but he clearly had a nice career. You know, has, has he told you any good stories about his career over the years? Yeah, he he has, and and if I mean, obviously, you kind of found out firsthand he's not someone that's gonna you know, be freely bragging about right. any of that stuff or even being his son, you have to kind of work it out of him to see, you know, get something out of him. But yeah, he's told me a few times about, you know, his most special moment in, in his eyes was, you know, they went up when he was playing at Northern Iowa, they played in the Metrodome against the Golden Gophers and he got a sack and it was pretty special having him, you know, his replay played on the Jumbotron at the Metrodome. Oh, sure. So that was pretty cool. And and even just like some of their playoff runs that you and I had at the time, and they were, you know, not even just a, you know, the one AA team. They were, you know, one of the teams competing for national titles when, when they were there. Well, I have to give a shout-out to Luke, who is now the owner of Luke Carlson Physical Therapy and Sports Medicine here in Ankeny. Uh, I had rotator cuff surgery last February, and I was able to get back in shape pretty quickly, you know, with his help through my rehab. So I'll always appreciate to him for that. Uh, well, one of the stories you told me earlier was that after your, the first football practice you had, that your dad... Uh, you thought you'd like to, you told your dad that you thought you'd just like to stick with soccer and he encouraged you to stick it out a little bit longer and obviously you did. But, but what was it about football at first that maybe you didn't like? Uh, so fourth grade was when, you know, when you first started tackle football and it was one of the first practices. You know, it's just, it's different. 
you maybe I just wasn't mentally prepared or whatever, but you know, and how he tells the story is I made a really good tackle on a kid, and I kind of got up and was probably you know seeing a little blurry, like yeah. Tunes was saying just <laughs> a minute ago, and I kind of went up to him right after that play and was like, yeah, I don't know if this is for me, and he kind of laughed and just encouraged me to stick out, and and I'm obviously so thankful that I did. Well, I'm assuming that you eventually grew to love, you know, the physical nature of the sport, huh? <laughs> uh, yeah, I sure did. And that's, and that's definitely, you know, as playing as linebacker and as the offenses kind of over time developed into more of the spread stuff, I always hated playing those teams. I always wanted to play the triple option, the ones that would just kind of run it straight at you and you can bang your head. Oh, sure. <laughs> well, you played on some great teams at Ankeny, but it wasn't until your senior year that you guys were, you know, finally able to get over that hump and win the state championship. Now, that being the last year for Ankeny as one program and not really knowing, you know, what Coach Pizzetti's future plans were, you know, at that time, did that put any extra pressure on you guys to, to maybe win the championship? I think it did. Um, maybe, well, maybe we didn't think of it as pressure. It was kind of something in our minds, like maybe even after our, we, we had a, so Joel, our captain, quarterback, he was playing varsity our freshman year. But even without our best player, we were, our freshman year went undefeated. Mm -hmm. And so we know we had, a, we had a really good team. And probably since that time, we had it made up in our minds that we were going to go all the way. And, and obviously, there's a little bit more uh, special side to it being the last year and all that. Um, but uh, it was something definitely we had predetermined that we were going to get that goal. Well, with it being the last year, I mean, did you, kinda, did you guys kind of think maybe it was going to be destiny for you guys to win it? Or? We de yeah, for sure. I remember Quincy Griffith always joking about how it was, this was going to be a movie once we won it. They turned it into a movie. I don't know if that's happened yet. But. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know Jerry is still coaching today, but at the time, did you think maybe he would retire after winning that title just because that would have been a great way for him to go out on top? Yeah, we never knew. I mean, especially having my dad you know, coach play under Coach Pizzetti. It was always something's like you never knew how long. Or even when I was younger, I was like, you know, hoping he'd stay around, and then I would be fortunate enough that he coached me too, and I was lucky to have that. And I think there was there was some wonder that if maybe he would, but um, yeah, it turned out the other way, and I'm sure he's glad that he's still coaching. Well, a number of your teammates from that 2012 squad that were also named to our all-time team. You know, I know some of the offensive linemen from that team, like Will Simpkins, Xavier Quigley, and Colin Olson told me that they can still remember the play that was called that resulted in Joel's game-winning touchdown run with about uh, three minutes left there in the title game against uh, Xavier. You know, what do you remember most about that game? What I remember most about that game was the intensity from the crowd and the town. And never had I, you know, I... Played a lot of more of the, the wing back position, so I'd be going, doing a lot of the motion off the tight end. And I couldn't even hear Joel's cadence at all at some of the time. So I'd be just having to look down straight at the ball, kind of like a wide receiver would. Huh. And, and it was just something I'll never forget. And, and looking up at the stands and not even seeing, at least on our side, not an open seat. And it was just magical. And, and like you said, it was definitely kind of, put things into perspective like this isn't just a normal state championship run this is a this is a special year for the town and for our team well you guys came up with a big uh, defensive stand to set up the game-winning touchdown drive uh, because with fewer than six minutes left uh, you guys trailed 17 to 15 and Xavier had a chance to take some more time off the clock after they gained uh, nine yards on a first down play deep in their own territory you know they probably could have just ran a quarterback sneak you know for the next play or two and gotten the first down. But if I remember right, they tried handing the ball off a couple of times and you guys, you know, blew up both, both plays and forced a punt that then, you know, resulted in that drive. So, so had they got a first down there, I mean, the game wouldn't have been over, but it wouldn't have been looking good, would it? 
No, it, it definitely wouldn't have. And, and it was one of those things that I don't know if it was our, our confidence because there was a lot of times in that game that Xavier had the upper hand, but the whole time we kind of, you know, at halftime, I believe they were winning too. And, and we just knew that for whatever reason, it was going to work out in our favor. And, and in hindsight, you know, as I'm a little older, I'm like, oh my gosh, thanks. I'm glad it did. And we played the whole game. And, but uh, yeah, looking back on it, that was definitely one of our, our, our closest games that we had. And there were some times that, uh, you know, it maybe not have gone the way we wanted it to, but in the final end, that's all that matters, and we, we got the championship. Well, I'm sure you still see a lot of your old teammates around town every now and then. Did you guys get together and reminisce about the old days, you know, once in a while? Oh, yeah, all the time. It's it's fun. And like the linemen, obviously, they they know the play, and, and they love talking about some of the, the, the memories and you know, more more so often than anything, it's not even the the football plays or the games that gets brought up. It's all the time that we spent together and and continued to do so. Or and I think maybe what was mentioned before, I, I read your articles. I can't remember who, but even having like the breakfasts Friday morning at the Ankeny Cafe and and doing some of those things that oh, sure that we love reminiscing. Well, we mentioned your, your old quarterback from that team, uh, Joel Lanning. Uh, of course, he was named to our first team at quarterback. Uh, Joel went on to play for Iowa State first as a quarterback and then as a linebacker in his senior season when he made the transition to defense and became a first-team All-American. And, of course, you played uh, both ways in high school, so you know how hard it is to, you know, to do both of those things at that level. I mean, when you look back and see what he did at, at Iowa State, I mean, how amazing was that? It was, it was incredible, but it was one of those things that was, if anyone could do it, it was Joel. I mean, he played quarterback, and he was the hardest-hitting guy on our team. That was, there was no question about it. Everyone knew it that, you know, preseason camp and stuff, he's the quarterback. We wouldn't let him do any hitting drills, but we were all thankful for that because he, he would have lit some people up if, if they let us, if the coaches over here let him. So, yeah, it was one of those things, and he hadn't even played, you know, any sort of defense probably since, like, eighth grade, and he picked it up. He's a natural. I mean, obviously – world-class wrestler too so it was pretty special and fun for us to watch what kind of makes you wonder what he could have done at the high school level if they played him both ways I know normally you don't have a quarterback play on defense especially a linebacker but I mean yeah like you said if anybody could have handled it you know he's probably a guy that could have done it oh for sure yeah he would have excelled well Drew like I mentioned you went on to have a great career at Central College in uh, 2014 you earned the Lankelma Manning Award as the outstanding underclass player you know was that a, fair, a fairly easy transition for you to play at the college level did you have to make very many adjustments uh, it was it was different. Um, we ran a you know different style. We ran a, a three four uh, front on the defense. So um, you know some things like that. The college level was definitely a lot more technical than the high school. Um, and one of the reasons is you just had way more time. You were way more specialized in in your position and everything like that. Um, so definitely a transition. But um, you know when it came down to it, it was it was still football. So. Yeah, we had a lot of fun playing every every minute of it. Well, we talked about Blaine Hawkins earlier, and I think he came in the year after you left. But I'm sure you you know you still follow the program. And and what can you say about the accomplishments that he had down there? It, seeing Blaine down there, and you know being able to catch up with him anytime I'd see him around town or anything, he definitely made me proud to be you know playing at that same school and and looking back on it because. You know, we had we had some good teams, but we we didn't win conference any of those four years that I was playing for Central. And to see, you know, what he was able to accomplish, you know, individually, but as what he was able to do for the team and and lead them into not only conference championship but a, a deeper playoff run was was really special. Oh, for sure. 
Well, hey, Drew, it's fun to catch up with you today. Thanks a lot for coming in. Thanks, Dan. You bet. All right, well, my final guest today helped Ankeny to three consecutive appearances in the Class 4A semifinals from 2001 to 03, when he was one of the state's premier running backs. He rushed for 1,457 yards and 20 touchdowns as a junior, then set a pair of single-season school records the following year with 2,041 yards rushing and 38 touchdowns. He was named to the elite All-State team and then went on to play at Iowa, where he switched to receiver and caught uh, 94 passes for 1,369 yards in his career. He was named to our first team at running back. He's been on the podcast a few times before to help me preview the annual Cy Hawk game. He is Andy Brodell. Andy, thanks for joining me. How are you doing? Doing good. Thanks, Dan, for having me. Hey, you bet. Well, we had Mike Fontana and Drew Carlson on the podcast earlier, and they're still sitting here. Uh, two, <laughs> two other members of our all-time team. And I'm sure, uh, you know, you've... Uh, Sorry here. Uh, you've had a chance to see our various teams. You obviously deserve to be on the team with your credentials. But when you look at some of the other guys, you know, who have played at Ankeny over the years, like Dennis Gibson, Pat Dunsmore, uh, John Leverance, I mean, the list just goes on and on. It has to be very humbling to be on a team with such tremendous players, doesn't it? It does, yes. Uh, thanks. I, I guess you're the one that put it together, so thank you. I did, I did. It, it was an honor to, to be named a first-teamer just because of what you just said. There's been so many guys over the years that uh, – are so deserving of that. Um, a lot of them that I played with, um, quite a few that I, that coached me, um, quite a few that I got a chance to coach, uh, and then just all the players you said too. Just growing up, um, you know, Dennis Gibson's my second cousin, so I knew yeah. I knew about Dennis for, for have known about Dennis for a long time. So, uh, yeah, it's a it's a, a great honor to be named a first teamer, and um, yeah, I just uh, appreciate that, and uh, very fortunate to to have had uh, the time that I spent at Ankeny. Well, you played on some great teams at Ankeny and obviously had a lot of success, uh, but your squads ne were never able to get past that semifinal hump at the Unidome. When you look back at your, your high school career, you know, do you remember all the big wins and the fun moments, or do you think about you know, th those games that just didn't quite go your way at the Dome? That's a good question. Um, I think you know, it's, it's probably a th something that's changed over the years. You know, uh, you know, if you would have asked me when I was in college or even when I was you know, 10 years out, I probably would have spot, thought more about the losses and, and what we didn't do uh, as opposed to all the things that we did do. And now that, you know, you have a little bit more perspective the older you get and, and after being a coach too, uh, you look back at those, at those wins and, and, and the moments that we, that we did, uh, you know, take care of business and get to the dome and those things. Um, and, and those are the things that I think about now. Um, but yeah, in, in the moment, the losses hurt. There's no doubt about it. And, and really, because uh, ultimately we were, <laughs> we wanted to win for for Coach Pizzetti. And, and to be frank, back then we didn't know how long, how much longer Coach Pizzetti right. was going to coach, right? <laughs> but here he is still coaching. Uh, so so he put that one to bed. But um, but I think maybe just because you know we remembered at least the guys in the time that I played, we remembered the '97 state championship team, and so. I think in 2001, correct me if I'm wrong, I, I think in 2001 was the, that was the first year they got back to the Dome after winning the state championship. So that was a really special, I remember just being on that team was a really special moment. And the way that we did it in the game that against the Tumble was incredible. Probably the most memorable game I played in a, as, a, as a high schooler. But um, yeah, I, I think we the, the feeling was in all three of those seasons, let's get back and let's win another state championship for, for Coach Bazzetti. Because, you know, I, I guess as a player, you, you think of... Uh, winning winning the state championship that's that's validation right like that you know you're the best you're, you're doing your job and 
And I, I don't know, I think most of us probably felt like Coach Bazzetti didn't get as much credit as he, as he deserved because he only had the one state championship. So, you know, all of those things kind of played into, I guess, yeah, being disappointed after those three seasons. But there was obviously a lot to be pretty proud of. Oh, for sure. Well, yeah, you guys would always run into Dowling or Valley at the Dome. And one of the things that I remember about those games is, you know, just how deep those teams were. And I don't know if, if uh, any of your opponents in those games, you know, played anybody on both sides of the ball. But it seemed like, you know, you guys had a few guys that, that did that. And, you know, it makes a big difference late in the game, doesn't it? Oh, gosh, yeah. Yeah, I think um, I'm, I'm thinking back to uh, the Valley game my junior year. I, I think it was tied or uh, maybe a three-point game, something like that. I think going into the fourth quarter, I think they scored like three or four touch, un, unanswered you know, touchdowns in the fourth quarter. And that was – it wasn't that we couldn't play with that team. It's just we weren't, we weren't as deep. And that was noticeable every year that we got up there. And um, – that's, you know, since changed. Uh, obviously, as Ankeny's grown and we have more numbers, that, that's changed. But uh, that was certainly something that was up, we were up against. But, you know, I think we kind of took pride in that. And quite frankly, we had a lot of really good – I mean, Jeff Lanning's one that comes to mind that was probably one of the best two-way players that we ever had. Um, we had we had a lot of guys that were in that boat. But, uh, yeah, that was a big reason why. But, um, you know, that shouldn't, like I said, take anything away from those teams. We were, we were as uh, – in my opinion, as good and as talented as any of those teams, just not as deep, like you said. Well, yeah, I don't think it's as common, you know, these days as it was back then. But then you look at a guy like Joel Lanning, who was named to our first team along with you. Uh, you know, he made that unbelievable transition to defense at Iowa State. And we talked about this a little bit earlier, too. But it makes you wonder what kind of a two-way player he could have been in high school. He, he would have been great. <laughs> You're talking about me? <laughs> no, well, Joel would have oh, been. Oh, yeah. Joel, yeah. No, no, no doubt about it. Yeah, I mean, obviously, a quarterback, you're not <laughs> – uh, I know that that happens probably in the lower classes just out of necessity right. um, and, and being quarterback, he wasn't, he wasn't going to get that opportunity, but yeah, he probably, yeah. Speaking of, I said, Jeff, well, yeah, look at his, his younger brother. He, he would have been likely, uh, yeah, maybe the best ever to do that. But um, yeah, never got the opportunity to, but, but like I said, you know, in 2012 and I was on the, on the staff, uh, obviously that year, um, we had the depth, you know, that was, that was, I guess the one big thing that maybe changed in that 10 years since I played is, you know, we didn't have to rely on playing a guy like Joel both ways. We had plenty of talent on both sides of the wall. So, um, yeah, that's what, that's what ended up happening. I can't remember. Did you, did you get any snaps on defense in high school? I did. Yeah. Um, I, I love playing defense and quite frankly, I, I mean, when I was being recruited, uh, Iowa state, I think probably looked at me more defensively than they did uh, offensively. But, um, but uh, yeah, I played, uh, I want to say, a little bit as a junior early in the season. Uh, I played some cornerback, and then I think as my snaps or my carries kind of picked up on the other side of the ball, they, they knew that that's, that's where they needed to use me. And then my senior year, um, we, I really didn't play any defense up until, I guess, maybe – uh, well, maybe in the middle of the year, they, they'd throw me in kind of late in the game, maybe just, you know, some, for some more speed out on the field, certainly. Uh, played quite a bit, and I remember in the Des Moines East game in the playoffs, I played quite a bit both ways, a little bit in the Valley game in, in the Dome. But, uh, yeah, I think they were just trying to find creative ways to use me and, and get me on the field, you know, a snap here, a snap there. And uh, like I said, I, I really uh, thoroughly enjoyed it. But, uh, but yeah, um, very, very few defensive plays in my career. <laughs> Well, you mentioned that East game. That was another wild game. I think it was like 52 to 33. Yeah. That, that team had a lot of talent, didn't it? It did. Yeah. That was, yeah. If you go back to, if I, if I, you know, rank memorable games that I was a part of as a player, that's certainly in the top, top three, top five. Um, that was, it was a wild game back and forth. And I think it was one of those games where, you know, Des Moines East traditionally, you know, city school, we, 
maybe we didn't take them seriously enough. I don't know, but they had they had a lot of speed. I remember those guys from track certainly, and uh, uh, they figured out a way to get them on the football field and, and use them. So uh, yeah, that was a fun one to be a part of, and um, yeah, one I won't forget. <laughs> Well, you made the transition uh, to receiver at Iowa uh, because you felt like, you know, you weren't big enough to be an every down running back at the collegiate level. You know, how difficult was that transition for you? Did it take, take you a while to learn the position? Um, it did. You know, I, I think the pressure was off because I think from day one, I knew I was going to redshirt. I knew I wasn't physically ready to play. I was making a position change. Um, just those two things alone, I, I didn't have the pressure of thinking, oh, I got to get on the field. You know, it's a lot different nowadays. I think kids now go to college assuming they're going to play right away. You know, they, most kids don't think that they're going to redshirt, but, uh, so it, that was a little bit easier for me in the transition, knowing I had a little bit more time. Um, but yeah, overall it was, it was a tough change. Uh, I think more than anything, maybe not so much the position, but just the, like I said, the physical, uh, nature of playing big 10 football. It was, uh, it was a lot of work, a lot of work in the weight room, uh, trying to eat and do th do things I had not ever had to had to had to mess with really, um, and so those things those challenges were were probably what I fought the first couple of years more than anything. Well, of course, you played for Dre Pizzetti, and then you later served as an assistant coach under him for a few years. When people ask you, you know, what he's like as a football coach, what do you tell them? You know, what sticks out about Jerry's approach to coaching? Um, I think he's just he's. Um, He's the same with everybody. Um, and I think that that's, I mean, I, I don't know. I've, since you put this list out, I've thought more and more about, you know, kind of reflected on my time both as a player and as a coach and even before then as a, as a little boy growing up watching the, you know, the teams in the 90s. I think it's just all about culture with him. And he's just, you know, he's, like I said, he's the same person with everybody. And I think back, we were talking about the whole depth thing just a little bit ago. I think back to how many times, and I can remember this even growing up, how, how full the Ankeny sideline was of kids compared to all the other teams that showed up. And that, I think that that maybe is the one thing that I think about with him is that he created a culture that everybody wanted to be an Ankeny Hawk, whether they were going to, I mean, we were 60, 70 kids deep on the sideline back when, you know, when I was playing there's still only going to be 20 to 30 guys really that play. Right. Um, and that other 30 or 40, they wanted to be there. Mm -hmm. They wanted to be a part of that. And that honestly speaks to him and the staff and just having that continuity that he's had over the years with all the former guys that come back and want myself included that want to go and be a part of that. That's that all starts, starts and stops with him. So I think that more than anything, just, just him being, being the same person to everybody and, and creating a culture at Ankeny that that's conducive to just, you know, everybody being involved and, and, um, yeah, it's, yeah, it all starts with him. <laughs> well, I had more than a few players tell me that Jerry really knows how to get a team fired up before a game. He does. So, so do you, <laughs> do you recall any memorable pregame speeches? <laughs> oh man. I mean, any of the playoff games, certainly, you know, any of the games when we're playing Dowling or Southeast Polk, Urbandale, you know, these are teams that traditionally have been our rivals for years and years and years. So yeah, that's, I mean, that is one thing he's, he, he always had a knack for that. And I feel like you have to, you know, college is one thing. It, if you're not fired up to play when you're at that level, then that's on you. There are some coaches that still do that and that maybe that works for them. But, but in high school you do, you need to have guys like that. I feel like just to, just to fire things up a little bit more. And Jerry was always, <laughs> he was always able to do that. And even still today, I mean, I haven't coached with them now for, I don't know, four or five years, but even four or five years ago, he was, he was as good as I could ever remember him. <laughs> 
Well, there were a few other players, you know, from your era that made our all-time team, and I'm sure there were a few others that easily could have made it as well. You know, do you still get together with some of your old teammates and reminisce about those glory days? Yeah, you know, what was great was um, whatever that was. I think it was two years ago when Jerry won, was it 400? When he, pa- or when he pa- passed the, the, set the record, yeah. And they had all of the, the alumni back, uh, I guess, to surprise him and to, you know, to honor him before the game. Um, that was a lot of fun for me because I sort of took it upon myself to reach out to a bunch of guys that I played with and just say, hey, you know, they're doing this thing for Jerry. And just th- I think maybe that's the other thing that sticks out is how many of those guys wanted to come back and be a part of that just because they had, fi- you know, they had really good memories of all of that and they wanted to be there for him. And so that was a great, great, great night getting together with some of those guys. And some of them I haven't seen since high school. Um, but just to yeah, kind of cut it up again and, and talk about some of the, the good old days, that was, that was a lot of fun. And there are, I mean, now that I've, I've moved back, and I mean, I live in West Des Moines, but I still get to see a lot of those guys and stay in touch with them. And uh, yeah, it's just so many great memories with them. And uh, hopefully that'll continue on. Well, you mentioned you've been out of coaching now for four or five years. And I know you've started a family, so I'm sure life is getting hectic for you. But do you think you'll ever get back into coaching? I would love to. Yeah, I think um, when I you know, made the des- decision not to continue, it was purely because of the time commitment. And, you know, I never felt like it was fair if I wasn't going to be there at least two or three days a week. And, you know, part of the challenge is living in West Des Moines and not being here in Ankeny. But uh, also part of the challenge, like you said, is having a family and the, the responsibilities that come along with that. But yes, my I'm hoping to get back into coaching again. Um, I, I mean, I I've said this many times that, that regardless of whatever it was I, I accomplished as a player, the things that you, you do as a coach, you, you, those are the things you really remember and those are the things that are the, the most rewarding. So to, to get back to that would be, would be a lot of fun and something I look forward to doing eventually. Well, just a couple other things I wanted to touch on with you. Uh, one of the players that joined you on our first team was Riley Moss, who I believe you had the opportunity to coach at Centennial. Uh, he had a great career at Iowa and is now preparing for the NFL draft. Um, and he was just uh, at the Senior Bowl uh, this week. And I don't know how, how plugged you are into the NFL draft, but you know, do you feel like he's got a good chance to be playing on Sundays next year? I, I don't see why not. I think the, somebody's going to give him a shot. Uh, they'd be dumb not to. Um, yeah, the things he, he accomplished. I mean, let's start with the character, right? There's a reason he's been as successful as he has, and it starts there. He's got great parents, uh, always a hardworking kid, always, you know, uh, just you never had to worry about Riley. And, uh, and, and yeah, I hope hopefully somebody takes a shot and, and he gets that opportunity uh, because he certainly deserves it. But, uh, yeah, you, you mentioned him. There's, there's another great example. Like, any, like anything I did as a player, great. But the, to be able to coach kids like that and to see them go on and, and succeed, that's, that's what's special about it. And, yeah, hopefully he's not done. Well, and speaking of the NFL, of course, the next Sunday is the Super Bowl, and that's why we're doing the podcast today and not the next Sunday. I didn't want to inter- interfere with that. Uh, yeah, but you're, but you're interrupting the Pro Bowl. Oh, I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> or whatever it is. Yeah, the touch football game that they're doing. But the, Chief, the Chiefs are my team, so I know who I'm going to be rooting for. Sure. But do, do you got a rooting interest in that game? No, I don't, really. Um, I've, maybe this is kind of going f- full circle here with, the, with this being an Ankeny uh, football kind of his- historical podcast, but... Uh, yeah, growing up, um, I think my dad was a Packers fan growing up. He grew up, and his grandpa was from Milwaukee, and that's actually my connection to why I'm a Brace fan, uh, oddly enough. But uh, for whatever reason, he, he, he sort of didn't really follow NFL football by the time I came along. And 
uh, you know, typically those things get passed down. So I became a college fan. I, I was obsessed with college. I didn't really care. I followed the NFL, but I was always into college. And that's what I wanted to do. I wanted, I wanted to play college football. If, if the NFL thing happened, great. But I was always more about that. But, but taking that a step further, I was always about being an Ankeny Hawk first, which I think any kid that grew up in Ankeny, especially around the time I was growing up and, you know, even, even later on, I think there was such a, you know, Jerry had such just I guess, aura about him. And he was, I say this all the time. He was a hall of fame. I correct me if I'm wrong. He was inducted in the hall of fame. I think in 1985. Sounds right. That yeah. was the year I was born. <laughs> okay. I'm 37. I haven't played it down a high school football in 20 years and he's still coaching. Yeah. I mean, he's had probably three hall of fame careers in one. Right. Yeah. So he had that going for him back even when I was a kid. So, so growing up in the nineties, I mean, it was all about that. And, and, uh, just the program had this whole aura about it, and the, the state championship team had a lot to do with that too in '97. Um, but yeah, I, that was a long-winded answer to say that I'm, <laughs> I don't have a rooting interest in the Super Bowl. But um, it really started for me with football. It was Ankeny football, and then just making it at college. And uh, fortunately, I was able to have that opportunity. But uh, but no, I, I I followed the NFL a lot. I mean, I followed it a lot certainly after Iowa, just because I there was a lot of guys I played with right that that were in there. Now I think there's. I'm, maybe one or two guys that are active that are, <laughs> which is hard to believe, but, um, but yeah, no, I'll, I'll be watching every down. I enjoy the NFL and I probably actually watch more NFL now than I do college, oddly enough, but, uh, but no, no rooting interest. Hopefully a good game. Let's put it that way. Yeah. We all want, we all want Chiefs can win. Chiefs can win. My wife's from Kansas and I, I know a lot of Chiefs fans. So. Oh, good. Good. I hope so. Yeah. Well, Andy, I can't let you go before asking you a question about uh, the Hawkeyes, because I know you're still a big fan of the program now and you've always been very thoughtful on the program. Uh, when we do the Cyhawk uh, podcast, uh, they obviously had an up and down year and there's been a lot of speculation about uh, Brian Ferentz's future after this season. You know, I think a lot of people thought maybe one way or another, you know, he might move on. Uh, what's your take on that whole situation? Yeah, that's a tough one. Um, that really is a tough one, you know, because, you know, as a, it's hard because as a coach, you know, when this where Kirk's coming from, I know it's his son and that's a component to this, but it's hard. You can't make decisions based on what the fans are feeling. I mean, I know that that a lot of people don't want to hear that and they're going to say, well, the fans are the ones that fill the seats and all that. And, and I agree with that. But he, I think he's done it so long that I think that there is a level of, we we've sort of made our bed there and, and you have to trust this. You have to trust the system, right? You have to trust what he thinks is right. Yeah. The last two, three years, they'd be the first people to admit that it's been horrible. So what do you do? Do you go replace that person? Maybe, but I think that they probably feel strongly that they're, that it's more maybe personnel and that once they get that addressed, then, you know, cause that's on them too, right? The personnel is on them. They're the ones that recruit these kids. So I guess that's maybe I wasn't at all surprised by it, and I don't think I don't think the majority of the fan base was surprised that they decided to keep him at, at offensive coordinator. Um, but I guess it's just a really hard place to be in, and I think that again the benefit I, I give him the benefit of the doubt. I, I trust their their process. I trust how they go about things. Um, the thing is, we don't, and I think every fan knows this, we don't have to be a top 25, a top 40, a top 50 offense to win games. You know, our strength has, has traditionally been playing defense, playing great special teams, don't turn it over, run the football. It's basic stuff on offense. So we're not, I don't think we ever really ask our offense to do too much. So maybe, maybe that's another reason to say, you know, there's no reason to make a change here. Let's just get back to the basics. And I think that's what they're going to do. 
Well, we could probably do a whole separate podcast on the oh, gosh. football program. We, we, so we maybe, certainly maybe we'll could. do that sometime. <laughs> but, well, hey, Andy, thanks a lot for coming today. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, Dan. Appreciate it. You bet. All right, you've been listening to the Ankeny Fanatic Weekly Podcast, sponsored by Coldwell Banker Mid-America. At Coldwell Banker, you're not one of many clients. You're our most important client. We listen to your needs to develop long-lasting relationships and provide the best services, professional support, and resources in the industry. We are constantly exploring new and innovative ways to elevate your experience and exceed your expectations. Our network of resources allows us to be the number one Coldwell Banker franchise affiliate in Iowa, guiding you home for over 30 years. Well, I want to thank my guests again uh, for coming in today. We had uh, Mike Fontana, Drew Carlson, and Andy Brodell, three of the members of our all-time uh, Ankeny football team. I enjoyed the conversation uh, with those guys and uh, reliving uh, some of those uh, great memories of, of uh, the great football teams here over the years. And uh, I would encourage if you haven't, uh, or encourage you to take a look at our website and uh, you can look up those articles if you haven't seen them. Uh, we had four all-time teams and you can uh, certainly search them by all-time football and you can uh, look those up. I hope you enjoy those. So come back next week for another edition of the Ankeny Fanatic Weekly Podcast.